0: In this episode of the Advanced Selling Podcast, I share a humorous dialogue between a little boy and a Brit, Bill suggests a candid camera version of Advanced Selling Podcast, and we interview Mike Schultz, co-president of Rain Group, who shares some surprising stats that you won't want to miss.
1: Welcome back to the Advanced Selling Podcast, the longest-running sales podcast in the history of podcasts. I'm <laughs> Bill Caskey. I'm Brian Neal. Welcome back to another episode. We are glad you join us. And uh, a couple things before we get going today. Our LinkedIn group remains really active. So if you have not joined the group, make sure you do so immediately. We've got, uh, I don't know, almost 9,000 members of that now. More than, Some I think. Some really good conversations yes. go on there. And uh, also, if you have a question for us that you'd like to ask and have us uh, stumble around with the answer, you can send it. And we prefer a voice memo. So send, uh, record your question on a voice memo. Send it to listener at advancedsellingpodcast.com. and if we use your question, you will get a little treat. Little treat. You have to send us your address. You got to send I'll us your physical you address. Treat. Yeah.
0: Now I'm gonna even edit what you said, Bill. Not just a voice memo, but a high quality high audio. Quality. Voice memo. Not just any voice memo will do. So if you've got some uh, flip phone, Android device, or a, one of those pocket yes. digital recorders, you get it best Buy, And I'm the guy, you gotta get it, You got to right. get it through, too. Like,
1: ah,
0: audio's just not quite right on this one. Yeah, so let's so bag this. That's good All stuff. right, so I was, uh, stories we time? have a lot of uh, listeners in the UK, uh, lots. And we've been over there a couple times, saw several of them. They're wonderful people over there. But I heard, this is interesting, I heard a, uh, a young uh, lad... Young man, probably seven, eight years old, say something very demeaning to his dad, who happens to be from Britain. And they were sitting at the counter at this breakfast place I go to at Pattachu. You've probably mm-hmm. heard of that mm-hmm. restaurant here in Indianapolis. So this okay. is here in Indianapolis, and uh, they were sitting a few uh, people down. And I just couldn't help but hear this little kid. He was having a br- great time breakfast with his dad. that's really neat. He said, "Dad, you know what? He goes, "I wish you were born in America." And his dad's like, "Well, why is that? Because the guy's from Britain." He goes, because if you were born in America, you'd know a lot more about sports. And I felt so bad for the dad. I'm like getting thrown under the bus by his kid. And then oh. I thought, our British fan, fans I'm yeah, surely know sports. lots about sports. This uh, kind of assumption that he had. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> funny. Which isn't that great, the cute little kid. And the things that they have. And I just wonder where that came from. What Did, did you say anything? Uh, no, because you know I'm guessing. You don't know. Probably, because here's the dad said. He goes, I know a lot about sports. I know about cricket. I know about football, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, it's really, really funny. It's just funny when kids say stuff like, Kids say great things. It's hilarious, isn't it? All and right.
1: You know what we need to do? And I was thinking about this talking to you. I'll yeah. just talk about it on the air. We need to do a segment of this show called Observed, Observed in the Field, where things like this- Oh, yes. We observe. I just observed something at Starbucks the other day. I was sitting next to a, a <laughs> lady who was interviewing a guy for a, a position. I don't yes. know if she was a recruiter or what she was, and- he was fumbling, and some of the things he said were just hilarious. I'll, I'll, I wrote them down, so we'll get to that some other time. It'd be a good segment, though, wouldn't it? It'd be a great segment. Things we yeah. Observe. Yeah.
0: It, would, it would scare the hell out of people sitting around like coffee shops and <laughs> stuff. Like, is, are Bill and Brian around me? Like, we're incognito? Sunglasses? Well, we'll start with but just
1: he- things we observe, and then we'll move into recording it. We'll okay, move yeah, into that's the good. Next phase, which is do you mind if I shut this microphone? And, right and then we'll
0: now? move into telling people we're recording it after <laughs> yeah, that. We'll record right. them first and we'll tell them after the fact. It's <laughs> really good. This is a great, great time to be a salesperson. We mentioned that in the last mm-hmm. podcast. And if you are someone who says, hmm, I wonder what my value is like in the world, I wonder what my other options are, uh, I want you to check out CenturyLink. Uh, CenturyLink and Level 3 have actually joined forces. And as they claim, they are digitally transforming the world, which sounds like a really, really cool thing. The new CenturyLink is hiring sales experts nationwide right now. If you're a top sales performer and you want more out of 2018 than you got in 2017, you're sitting there going, man, maybe there's more, something different. Maybe you've stagnated your current territory. You want a more uh, high-level, high-paced A technology gig, CenturyLink is the key to ascending your career to record levels. Take the first step and visit CenturyLink.com slash advanced selling and join the talent community there. A member of their team will be in touch with you to discuss what the future looks like. Go to CenturyLink.com slash advanced selling and go check it out now. You won't be disappointed.
1: Okay, a special guest today on the podcast. Uh, We have a gentleman by the name of Mike Schultz. He's co-founder of Rain Group. They're a sales research company. He just came out with a study here a few weeks ago on buyer behavior and selling behavior, and we thought it would be really interesting for you to hear it. So here's the interview with Mike Schultz. Well, Brian, we have a special guest on today's podcast, and you know we don't do a lot of outside guests or interviews. No, it's hard to get in. It's hard to get in. Tough ticket. We get a lot, a lot of people requesting uh, to be on. That's a we get. We do. We get probably. I mean, that's
0: what I'm saying. We uh, get one a week. I least. At least.
1: And uh, this one came through, and the, Mike Schultz joins us today. Mike is with Rain Group, R A I N, a global sales training and performance improvement company. And he has some really interesting thoughts and stats to share on a, a sales research study that he just came out with that Rain did here in the last, basically, the last few weeks. So, Mike, are you there?
2: I am here, gentlemen.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on today. Tell us a little bit about Rain Group and who you are, and then we want to get into some some of the uh, stats and some really interesting stuff that you found out, and I think our listeners are going to be really interested in that. So uh, fire away.
2: Uh, Sure. So a little bit about me. Let's see. It all started when I was five, and I read In Search of Excellence, and that started me (laughs) down in braille. (laughs) Yes, in braille, yes, yes. Hebrew, Hebrew, because I like to do things. (laughs) Uh, So let's see. Uh, Let's start with with Rain Group, and then we'll do a little bit about me. So uh, Rain Group is a sales training and performance improvement company. We are founded in 2002. I'm here in our Boston office. We also have offices in Geneva, London, Mumbai, Sydney, Johannesburg, Toronto, uh, and Bogota. Uh, and we work with companies across uh, industries with a complex sale, uh, tons that you um, would have heard of, like Apple and Hitachi uh, and Toyota and Deloitte, and then a whole bunch that are great companies uh, that aren't quite so big. Uh, For myself, uh, I run the company, uh, but the individual contributor work I do, I don't fly around uh, selling and delivering anymore, but I do run the Rain Group Center for Sales Research, which we started about 10 years ago, Uh, and it was mostly because a lot of selling advice is from guys that have uh, done it, done it well, seen a lot of people do it, and said, here's what works. Uh, and a lot of it is experience and opinion-based. A lot of it works, but we found when we did some research that we found different things from the conventional wisdom of all of the you should, and so we said, geez, well, let's take a look at this more carefully. So uh, a a lot of sales training programs are from someone who wrote a book 22 years ago and they're training off the book. Well, what if sales itself and buying itself has actually changed. Unless you are putting the, the dipstick into the into the uh, oil here and pulling it out and taking a look, then you might be leading people astray. So Good. a different thing about Rain Group is that we have the Rain Group Center for Sales Research. Its primary function is to serve to improve our programs to make sure that when we're giving people advice, we that it's current and modern. And um, we also don't really have a position to defend because our position is whatever the research shows is going to affect our program. So we love it when we, when we find something that we said eight years ago is no longer true because we can be ourselves up to date for
1: our yeah, clients. that's good. So be that's
2: still. a little bit about a little bit about us, and a uh, little
1: bit about the research. So first question is, do you have any Patriot jokes, Brian? You not, wanna, <laughs> no, 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 no. I going skip that? No, I just, the one, the one thing that
0: did strike me, though, when I heard all the locations, Mumbai, Johannesburg, I was oh. listening, I was waiting for Green Bay, Iowa City, Moline. Like, where, <laughs> where's the headquarters in the Midwest? No, it's good. Uh, go
1: ahead, Bill. OK. So uh, l- let me ask you a question. You know, you've done this a lot. You've been at this for a while, and you co-founded the company. So the question is, uh Generally, what surprised you about your findings here? We'll get into the details, but just, are there some general comments or notes that you would have about this study and what really shocked or surprised you, if anything?
2: Uh, Yeah, sure, a couple of things. Uh, And again, the surprising parts are when everyone says something and then you take a look and you see something completely different. Mm -hmm. Let me give you a couple of examples. One is that we have heard from people like the corporate executive board that 57% of the purchase decision is complete before customer calls a supplier and serious decisions said that 67% of the buying journey is now done digitally. So what I think happens is that many sellers assume that buyers don't want or need to talk to them early in the buying process. Well, we found the exact opposite. The time in the buying process that these buyers – Wanted to hear from the sellers was the absolute earliest time. So seventy-one percent said, "When I'm looking for new ideas and possibilities to drive stronger results for my business, when I'm looking for ideas." And then it went down from there into the sixties and fifties. So one exact opposite: buyers actually do want to hear from sellers. And they want to hear from sellers early. I'll give you one. I'll give you one more, uh, and then we can keep diving into a whole bunch of other things. So one of the most common article titles is that cold calling is dead. You publish cold calling is dead, and everyone hops on and argues about it and lots of people look at it. We're hopeful. Well, yeah, uh, yeah so myth number, we, we, we called that myth number two. Is, uh, we asked how do buyers prefer to be contacted uh, and how do buyers say sellers actually connect with them? Uh, Out of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 different ways that buyers can be contacted. The number one way that they prefer to be contacted is email. And number two is phone, with about 50% saying they prefer to be contacted by phone. So, yeah, sure, I mean, it's great to see an email, uh, but they are literally sitting by the phone, and 82%... 82% 82% of the 488 buyers that we talk to take meetings with sellers that reach out to them, at least sometimes. Yeah. So everyone says, oh, you can't get through to people, and, and it's impossible to set meetings. No, no it's not, at least not according to the buyers, and also not according to the 489 sellers that we talk to. Some are seeing a lot of success.
0: Yeah, really, really good stuff. Um, uh, Mike, I got a, a question about the about that particular element here. When you talk about, so I, I always look for things first of all that validate beliefs, and and I'll give you you and your group kudos. So one of the things that you do for people like me is you give me stats to prove what I already believe because I'm one of those guys that's a, you know opinion experience trainer teacher, uh, and uh, it does work. And my, I use the stats of the scoreboards of my clients, you know, for that. And this is great research. So when you talk about the, what, how can you take these statistics now and take them actionable for our listeners? So we've got a, a group of, you know, we got 150,000 downloads a month where people are listening. They're salespeople, sales managers, leaders. If your research says, you know, 82% of buyers accept meetings by uh, sellers who proactively reach out to them, what do you then do in terms of advice for my listener, for our listeners here to say, okay, here's what the listeners should do. What does that mean to them? How can they put that in action?
2: So we went through about 2,000 pages of data tabs uh, and several hundred individual comments across, across a number of different questions to summarize it. Uh, and our summary for the big picture headline advice that sellers should take is that one, their mindset, regardless of their skill, regardless of their value, their mindset was a huge factor in whether or not they were successful. The second one is that they shouldn't just and I, they shouldn't just grab a phone book like when 20 years ago when I started doing this, you grab a phone book or a directory, and you grab a ruler, and you slide down, and you make calls, <laughs> you call everyone once, and that's it, and you try to set your 20-minute meetings to go through your capabilities. Well, that doesn't work anymore. Most buyers, I think it was something like 51% of buyers, expected to be contacted uh, more than five times Mm. before they actually reach back, make a connection, or accept a meeting. So number two, after having a winner's mindset, is to run an attraction campaign. And I don't mean this like marketing. Like you're sending out a seven-sequence spam email, where insert name here. I mean, you're actually reaching out to a person and trying to draw them into the seduction of a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. The third thing is value. When the buyers perceived the messages the sellers to be sending them to be of value, the offer for why they should have a discussion with them, that they'd have value in the discussion, and that they had actual, they, they received value from the initial sales meetings themselves. If those value questions were answered higher, the sellers were much likely to be more successful and the buyers were much likely to take meetings and purchase. And the last part came down to core skills, and we called it execution. So, uh, with execution, there were two parts. One, it was those core skills. If a buyer says, Sorry, I'm busy right now, do you know what to say? Uh, can you write a competent email? The second part of execution, and being able to just get these meetings and do well with them, uh, is to manage time and day. We found a massive amount of distraction at people's desks when it came to prospecting versus you know 10 or 15 years ago. And again, when I got started prospecting, it was quiet. You could hear the clock ticking. Mm-hmm. I had a computer. I don't remember if it had internet right at the start, but <laughs> if, it, if it was, there was nothing on it. So it was quiet. I didn't have texts. I didn't have Slack. I didn't have Facebook. I didn't have LinkedIn. Uh, I didn't have text messages, I didn't have all these kinds Mm -hmm. of things. So I sat there and I focused. Well, now the lack of focus is absolutely crazy. So your ability to execute in the zone and actually just get this work done, um, we found to be a big determinant of success. So just to summarize, it's WAVE, winner's mindset, attraction campaign, value, and execution.
1: Awesome. Good good acronym. Uh, We're speaking with Mike Schultz today. Mike is um, co-president of Rain Group. R A I N. What's the uh, website uh, for the for Rain Group, Mike? Uh,
2: it's RainGroup.com.
1: Okay, just as I suspected. I know. <laughs>
2: that makes it easy. <laughs> just as I suspected.
1: <laughs> I w- I want to get to uh, this question about sellers who bring value win more sales and. You know, Brian and I preach on this. In fact, we just introduced a, a, a training program called the Personal Brand Makeover, and a lot of that was about how are you bringing value to your prospects. It's easy to say, well, th- I'll bring them value when they buy something from me. But if that's your attitude, which gets back to your mindset, if that's your attitude, you're not going to get too many first calls because if your only purpose in a first call is to sell them something or start to get them into your sales process, that's not of much value to the prospect. So give us some examples that you have seen where sellers actually begin the conversation with buyers in a, with a mindset of value distribution or value conveyance.
2: Yeah, sure. So to uh, support your point, once again, with research, uh, we studied in a different study a couple of years ago, the buyer's satisfaction with the purchasing process, and a lot of that had to do with whether they got value out of the purchasing process. Those that said that they were um, satisfied or very satisfied with the purchasing process... Uh, they were more than twice as likely to buy from that seller again. Hmm. So, Most people think loyalty is about um, satisfied with what I bought. Mm -hmm. Well, we found that the actual purchase experience was a huge determinant of having them buy again. So you might as well provide value early. Uh, What were the kinds of things that they valued? Uh, I'll I'll, I'll share with you uh, first the content that influences whether or not they accept a meeting. Out of, let me count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 different offers that you can make or messages that you can give, the number one most influential content type, the buyer said, was primary research data relevant to our business. Kind of like what we're talking about well, now.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. what you do. Uh, yeah.
2: Tied for number two... Was content 100% customized to our specific situation? It wasn't dear, insert name. I got one today. It was, dear Mike, I see that you and I are both business development professionals. (laughs) Well, I'd like to invite, like, okay, awesome, great. Uh, So here's another one. And it says, the email subject line was LinkedIn connection. So I didn't remember this person, so I hopped onto LinkedIn. I don't think that they exist on LinkedIn. I could find the president of her company on LinkedIn, <laughs> but I couldn't find her. The first so one was from me, by said, the way. <laughs> right. So that was the exact opposite, and in fact, that buyers didn't like that. But 67% of buyers wanted content 100% customized. It shows energy. It shows focus. It mm. shows thoughtfulness. And then the third one, uh, which was actually tied for for number two, was surprisingly descriptions of the provider's capabilities. Hmm. So here we are once again. It's been beaten on us. Don't do capabilities pitches. Don't focus too much on what you do. Focus on the 37% ROI. Focus on the 10% reduction in blank. Focus on the benefit one, two, and three. You can get to how you do it later. Well, you know, in fact, buyers actually want to scan, do you do something that I think is relevant? Mm -hmm. Because if if you do, maybe I'll just... I didn't talk about that. Uh, so capabilities was in there with value. Yeah. I'll also add one other, uh, one other piece of um, research findings from the, from the, um, from the uh, value area. So uh, we looked at a whole bunch of different factors of whether the seller focused on – or whether the buyers believe the sellers focused on the value they could deliver them, whether the sellers collaborated with them, whether the sellers brought them new ideas – uh, whether the sellers deepen their understanding of their needs. And if, if the the buyers said this, we called them uh, value-driven respondents. Uh, so they were value-driven respondents. The value-driven respondents were 62% likely to rate their prospecting as excellent, very good, or good, and only 39% of the non-value-driven respondents rated their um, prospecting effectiveness as excellent, good, or very good. So y- they were at least good, but it was a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. Those prospectors that focused on value um, of the kinds of things that the buyers wanted were um, significantly, almost wildly more likely to be successful prospect.
1: That's really easy to understand, though, because if I'm prospecting and delivering value, it's a whole lot it's a hell of a lot easier to make that call and to engage somebody than if I'm looking for a sale. So no doubt. Yeah. So that Thanks doesn't that. surprise me. That's a big swing Yeah. Though.
2: So it, yeah, we actually uh, found that uh, as well is that uh, when, and this is from a different piece of research, when sellers believed that their companies focused on value for the buyers more than they focused on hitting their quotas. So literally is uh, the, the, the feeling is that at the end of the quarter, when most sales managers and leaders are beating on their sellers to hit their number, some of them are saying, mm, let's not worry about the number, let's worry about doing the right thing, making the client really happy, uh, selling them everything that we should, but not necessarily just you know, trying to drop the price at the end of the quarter to make the sale. If they were truly value-driven respondents, the sellers were much more highly likely to pursue top performance. Uh, and the sellers were much more motivated to succeed um, uh, to succeed, and proud of their companies. So it, it was huge.
0: Good stuff. Uh, one more question here. I want to take this. I'm a big fan of taking the data down to tactical. So last tactical question here as we wrap up. Uh, 93% of buyers uh, say their purchase decisions may be influenced by sellers who collaborate with buyers. 93% is a lot of them, almost all of them. Tell me how you coach your clients and what you would tell the advanced selling podcast listeners to do around collaboration.
2: Yeah, so let's even take the, the least collaborative kind of feel of a sales meeting. Well, let's do it as a live sales meeting. You're pitching a demo. A demo is almost of its nature a pitch. Mm-hmm. However... Instead of just going in and doing your demo and smiling and saying, hey, you know, which features do you think are interesting, or you know, leaving it to the buyer to say what you hope for, it's like, wow, I can see we can use it for this, then we can use it for that. Instead, say, okay, I guess I'm coming in on, on Thursday to do the demo uh, with you, Mr. Vice President. Do you mind if I talk to someone on your operational team just so I can get the lay of the land of what you guys are doing now, and maybe I can highlight some things that are worthwhile? Uh, a lot of them say, uh, yeah, sure. So then you actually have back and forth conversations with some of the folks on the teams there and you can customize your demo to their particular situation. Then instead of just going through your pitch, which they expect to to see it and do the demo, you ask the buyer up front, what's going to make the meeting worthwhile to you? What's it going to look like for, or what do you like when people give you demos and what drives you crazy? And even though it's a demo, Most buyers laugh at that, say, that's a really good question. And some say, during a demo, I just want you to show me what it is. And others say, during a demo, don't talk for 40 minutes straight. Let's make it a conversation. (laughs) You can find out. It's not that you do it the right way, one way or the other. You should find out and start interacting. Now. In the, let's say you're 10 minutes in and say, let me just stop there. Do you have any thoughts? And they say, yeah, I think we could use this. We could use, well, how would you use it? What would you do? And you start talking. And then instead of being in the demo, you grab your your, um, whiteboard marker and you start writing things down. And the buyer says, well, no, no, no. I think I'd do it like this. Mm -hmm. And you invite them up to the board and you're starting to both write together. You're just kind of working on it. Now you're not, you know, they didn't buy anything yet. You're not that far down the path. But what you're doing, if you can even run, and I tried to pick the demo as the, the feeling of typically the most one-way kind of thing, right. if you could even run a demo in such a way that you get them interacting with you like this, you create what is called psychological ownership. It's not your sale anymore, it's their priority, it's their agenda, and you start the, – the more someone works on something, the more someone works with you on something, the more they want to see it through. It, it's fascinating, yeah. and it works.
1: Hey, we're speaking with Mike Schultz today. Mike, we want to thank you for being on our show today. Mike Schultz is co-founder of Rain Group. You can find out more about Mike and Rain Group at raingroup.com, R-A-I-N group.com. You can also connect with him on LinkedIn. And Mike, we really appreciate you carving out uh, some time to be with us. This is really insightful, and uh, you've given our listeners a lot of huge value with this. So thank you.
2: Well, thanks so much for having me. I know how hard it is to have someone from the outside join you on your podcast, so I'm glad I bribed the Major D and he let me in.
0: Awesome. <laughs> thanks, Mike. <laughs> See you, man. You know what I love more than anything about what Mike does is that he puts some um, facts and some science yeah. behind opinions. Um, and what I love more is he reinforced the primary opinions that you and I have in Absolutely. selling, didn't he, though? Absolutely. And We didn't, it wasn't, we didn't uh, you know, set that up or anything, but when he talked about mindset first, I thought, man, that's just so ironic that he said that. And he's got data research that says yeah. mindset is a great way to start. So that that really made me feel good. And for those of you who've listened for a long time, you know how big Bill and I are, are about mindset. And
1: so it's just another reason to stay that way. I had one thing, and I'd be interested to hear what your one thing, if there was one stat that kind of shocked you. I've got one here starred. It's the buyer who gets value out of the sales process that yeah. is two times more likely to buy. Yeah, two times more likely. To buy. You double your effort or you double your results if you would just bring value during the sales process. It's so easy right there, isn't it? It's so easy. And he told, told us a little bit. We talk about that a lot on the podcast. Maybe we should devote another podcast to that. Yes, But I think that, that was a huge number, I thought.
0: Yes. Mine was all about the, the um, element that I brought up, that this five to 10 touches that he talks about, that more than half the people say it takes five to 10 touches to get to him. And so 52% of the people said that. I don't know what the other 48 said, but it might have even been more. The point is you have to stay persistent in the selling process these days because of the noise he talked about, all the things, right, all the the slack and the Twitter and everything. We have to stay persistent in our behavior. You can never, ever stop
1: too soon. Yeah, that's good. If you want to ask a question of us and have Brian and I answer it, make sure you send the question, voice memo to listener at com. And we'll be back next week for another episode of the Advanced Selling Podcast. Bye.